Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today with me, I have Dr. Jessica Stern, who is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at NYU Grossman School of Medicine and works with people who are coping with depression, anxiety, trauma, ADHD in adults, and addiction, among other mental health conditions. In particular, she's a certified consultant for prolonged exposure therapy and a certified provider for cognitive processing therapy. She's a co-host of Baggage Drop and Psychiatry Show on Sirius XM's Doctor Radio. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So this is really cool because you sound like you do a whole lot of different stuff. And I'm sure anybody listening right now, since this is an OCD podcast, but you know we're talking about prolonged exposure and cognitive processing. So we're going to get into that, folks. But I'd love to ask you my first question, which is, you know, when dealing with OCD anxiety stuff, what would you say is the most common thing that you think holds people back from getting treatment? Oh, such an excellent question. The first thing that came to my mind was shame. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people experience such tremendous shame around these experiences. And I think even accepting that there is something there that they need to go get help for is such a difficult process for a lot of people. And so I would say shame is one of the biggest ones, as well as fear. Fear about, is this treatment going to work for me? Is it going to be too much work? Um, Along with um, just curiosity or or questioning, rather, and feeling hopeless or helpless. Um, I think those are some of the biggest pieces that really hold people back from getting help. Yeah, that actually all, I think, resonates. Anybody listening right now, I mean, I think if folks know, like, I, you know, I have OCD, it's definitely taken me a long time just to even know that it was OCD. But yeah, I think that resonates with the the feeling of that uncertainty. Is it going to work for me? Right. Like feeling really horrible about why am I even having these thoughts? I don't want them. But, you know, they keep bombarding me. Yeah. Um, what's your sense with, you know, considering that you will, you know, sound like have, you know, additional training with some therapy styles that I think are more also like, trauma focused what have you seen between that link i know a lot of my audience really um kind of likes to dive into that but with ocd and and trauma work or or even if somebody meets the diagnostic criteria for you know post traumatic stress disorder um uh, what do you see as kind of the overlay or how do those two communicate with each other yeah well that's a fantastic question and i would say that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is now in its own diagnostic category. But for a very long time, and I think still up until this day informally, was categorized or conceptualized as an anxiety disorder. And we know that OCD is as well. And so there are actually some components that are overlying between the two of them, such as avoidance, which is probably one of the biggest areas. So avoiding things that are stressful or overwhelming. Um, And that actually relates to the connection and the treatments between the two of them. And so in OCD, the gold standard in therapy is ERP or EXRP. And in post-traumatic stress disorder, it's prolonged exposure or cognitive processing therapy. And in both types of treatments, what you're having people do is approach their anxiety so that way they can work through it. So you're trying to step over this avoidance piece. And I think that's one of the key pieces that's similar between the two of them is having people overcome the avoidance that actually keeps both diagnoses going. 
And what we know with both diagnoses is that the more you avoid things, the more it tells your mind and your body that those things are dangerous, even if they actually aren't. And so you want to sort of rework that wiring in both diagnoses and in both types of treatments for people to find ways to teach the mind and the body that some of the things that they feel like are harmful or hurtful are actually much more approachable than they might realize. Yeah. And you know, anybody listening right now, I mean, when we're hearing words like PE or cognitive processing, I, I, I don't know that people know exactly what those things are. Would you mind getting into that a little bit? I would love to. Absolutely. For sure. So let me tell you a little bit about both. So PE, prolonged exposure, is a treatment that is exposure-based. So for people who are listening out there and are familiar with exposure-based treatment for OCD, uh, PE is a different flavor of a similar type of thing. So it's based on the same types of principles. What happens in PE, prolonged exposures, it's typically somewhere between 9 to 15 sessions. And in PE, you're having people approach two categories of things that are overwhelming for people in PTSD. One is the memory of their trauma, and two are the things that are related to their trauma that they're maybe avoiding or things that are related to um, fear. So maybe that means um, certain reminders of their trauma, maybe it means subways, maybe it means large box stores, those types of things. And in that treatment, what you do is you very slowly and systematically work people through experiencing and approaching some of those things that are holding them back. So for instance, if you are avoiding things that are important to you and you might say, I can't do this thing, it's really scary to me, but it's impacting my relationship or I'm finding that it's holding me back from enjoying my life or whatever it might be, is you slowly and systematically work people through that process of avoidance. The other thing that it helps people learn to overcome avoidance of is the memory of the trauma. So what you do in PE is you very slowly and systematically and intentionally help people process the memory of their trauma. And the reason for that is sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Why would I want to do that? The idea is that what happens in PTSD is that the memory of the trauma comes back without our control through flashbacks, nightmares, those kinds of things. So actually, by working through the memory of the trauma, you are taking back control of the memory from your mind, and you are organizing it in a way that you can then archive. So that process is done through PE. Again, it's about 9 to 12 sessions, so it's actually very targeted, and you want to do that with someone who is well-qualified in PE. Um, CPT, cognitive processing therapy, is a 12-session treatment based on, co on cognitive behavioral therapy. Both of them are, actually. CPT is a little bit more about the thoughts than it is about the avoidance. And basically what it does is it helps people work through thoughts that are related to themselves, the world, or other people that might have been impacted by their trauma. So frequently when people have traumatic experiences, they either develop really low confidence levels, trust issues, difficulties becoming intimate either emotionally or physically with other people. And it basically helps people work through some of those fears, that self-criticism, some of those pieces to make peace with themselves and the world around them so that way they can engage with the world a little bit more fully. So that's a little primer on PE and CPT. Yeah, that's great information. Um, and I mean, I can only imagine if I'm somebody listening right now, I would want to know, well, what would be like an example? Like, what would that actually look like? Uh, would you mind kind of maybe walking us through a potential... Um, idea of what that might be for pro prolonged exposure or the CPT? Sure. So if we were to say, 
I'll use, let's say, um, sexual assault as an example for trauma. Um, so that's an experience that unfortunately a lot of people have, whether it's assault or harassment or whatever it might be. That's a common trauma that brings people into either one of these treatments. So what would happen in PE, so I'll, I'll tell you how each treatment would sort of target that type of experience. And ultimately, what I will say is they target it a little bit differently, but ultimately have very similar outcomes, is in PE, what we, what you would do is you would basically have the individual create a very systemic, systemic um, hierarchy of the things that they're avoiding related to that experience. So maybe it means going to restaurants that they used to enjoy. Maybe it means wearing certain clothing that they used to enjoy wearing, um, visiting friends that they've maybe avoided, whatever it might be. Then what you do is you have people one step at a time slowly start to do little things that they've been avoiding related to that trauma. And it doesn't mean re-engaging with the trauma itself, but it means starting to step back into your life again. What you would also do is if there was a memory that's been plaguing you specifically in nightmares or flashbacks or those types of things, right? it's coming back to you naturally um, outside of your control again. So what you would do is you would work with your therapist to organize that memory so that way you can place it. It's sort of, we think about it like you're placing it in a filing cabinet with its appropriate file. What we know about trauma memories is that the mind is not built to house trauma memories, which is why it pops up for us in very aggressive and unwanted ways. So what you want to do in PE is you actually want to organize that trauma memory so it has a place to go so that it's not bombarding you and taking over your life. So you retell that story with very specific instructions and process it, process what it means to you, how it impacts you, um, bits and pieces of it that you are questioning or wondering how it's brought you to where you are, maybe meaning in terms of your confidence level or those types of things and making sense of those. In cognitive processing therapy, what you would do is you would look at the thoughts that are potentially related to that trauma and how that trauma impacted the way that you view yourself, other people in the world. So for instance, if that same person who had a sexual assault or experiences of sexual harassment said, um, I feel like I did something to bring it on, or I feel like I can't trust people, I can't trust men, or I can't trust uh, people in leadership or whatever it might be. What you would do is you would look at some of those thoughts that feel like they're overwhelming to you and you would make sense of which ones are helpful for you and actually keep you safe versus which ones are actually holding you back. So what we know about trauma is that it creates narratives that are intended to keep us safe, but sometimes it overshoots, it overcompensates. And this is actually true, by the way, of OCD as well, as I'm sure you very well know, <laughs> right? That's like one of the other links too is you would actually look at some of those like rules or narratives that your mind tells you about the trauma and sort of almost like categorize them a little bit and say like, okay, this one's here to stay. This one's helpful versus this one is maybe like a little bit of an overcompensation and actually is holding me back. And then you would work through some of those thoughts related to the trauma. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, thank you so much for that overview. Um, it, I'll be honest, th this is like a very action-packed uh, episode because <laughs> there's a lot of great information and, awesome. you know, you're, you're going on it. So I'm sure anybody listening, you might, you, I'm just going to put it out there. You guys, you might want to re-listen to this because uh, there's a lot of good info. Um, but this is also making me think about, you know, when it comes to OCD and where sometimes people get confused. Um, I certainly have that with a lot of clients when they come in for an initial screening um, where, you know, they might um, kind of when answering certain scales or whatnot, they'll they'll kind of, they think that they're having 
kind of PTSD-like symptoms, but really it's intrusive thoughts. Um, or, you know, when you're having like flashbacks and, and kind of nightmares, and those are some of the only, I mean, it's just some of the key differences, but, but it sounds like even when I'm listening to you, um, and again, anybody listening right now, you can see how it can get a little confusing because you might feel like, oh, maybe I'm having something that's intrusive. I'm having this intense discomfort. Um, and so it's interesting because some things seem like they overlap a little bit and can present similarly. But one of the key things that you're saying that I do want to point out is that you're not talking about just random intrusive thoughts. You are talking about that there really is an event that occurred. It's not something you're doubting or questioning if it happened. It's like, no, this thing happened. It was traumatic. It was painful. It was difficult. Um, and, you know, some people may qualify for the full on, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis. Sometimes you might not, but it still be a trauma. Um, you know, and, and kind of how then do you work with that or around that? Yeah, exactly. And so when we talk about trauma versus OCD, um, and maybe some people know this, but I think for the sake of folks, can we talk a little bit about what are some kind of different things that could be considered, you know, something that's traumatic that might actually meet that diagnosis of PTSD? Yeah, sure. So there's a bunch of different types. Um, and so essentially the types of traumas that we look for that qualify for PTSD are traumas in which someone's life was in some way in danger or in terms of their body or sexual integrity, if that was some way put at harm's length. So that can be anything. Again, it could be sexual assault. It could be combat experiences for service members. It could be a car accident. It could be um, experiencing some violence around you. Abuse, of course, is one of the biggest categories that we see as well. But it could also be accidents that happen. So in addition to car accidents, it can be other types of freak accidents that happen to people. It also could be other experiences in which people are very significantly and impactfully gaslit in a way that is almost emotional abuse. Um, so that's another potential way in which someone is continuously concerned about their well-being and their safety. Um, so those are a couple of categories in which we see that. Um, and some other ones that are thankfully getting much more attention, these are obviously not new at all, but finally are getting the attention they deserve are other pieces like racial discrimination and things of that sort. Um, and not just racial discrimination, but discrimination on any demographic dimension. So those are, I think, some of the biggest categories of traumatic events that we see that qualify for PTSD. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that description. Um, I mean, yeah, I have a lot more things that are coming to mind, right? Like, like OCD, right? OCD can latch on to a whole lot of stuff, right? So it can latch on to something like that, where there could be a discrimination or it can be, um, you know, even like I've, I've had some um, women who like giving birth where it was really, really difficult and traumatic um, and that they would get really kind of stuck. So, um, and I think too, you know, what's your thought around, you know, if somebody has both OCD and PTSD, kind of what do you think, like how might the two play on each other or feed each other? So there are a couple of things that I could point to in this particular moment. So there, I would say one is exactly like you're saying, the trauma, how is it coming up? So it might be coming up in these flashbacks or nightmares or those types of things, or it could be coming up as an obsession that is then asking for a compulsion, right? So what we know about OCD is that there are the compulsions that are sort of responses to the obsessions, which I'm sure all of your audience very well knows. So in this capacity related to PTSD, what could potentially happen is that the trauma or thinking about the trauma might become the subject of obsessions 
that are then asking for compulsions, essentially. So I think that's one. Um, sometimes what could also happen is if someone's had a traumatic event, they might have obsessions about future circumstances in which that event would happen. And then it might beg for compulsions in order to stop those obsessions about those traumas that would potentially or theoretically happen in the future. Um, what we also know is that any, more or less any psychiatric or mental health condition can exacerbate another one. So if someone has an OCD that they've had for a while and it's been diagnosed for a longstanding time, or maybe it hasn't been diagnosed, but it's been there, and then they then have a trauma and develop PTSD, the PTSD can actually worsen the OCD theoretically, including if someone has actually found some level of um, comfort or stability or progress in their OCD journey, sometimes the PTSD can exacerbate it or sort of bring it out of the woodwork again, which doesn't mean that you can't reclaim that progress that you once did. It's just something to be aware of. Yeah, I think that's actually really important what you just said at the end there, right? Is that it doesn't mean you can't reclaim and progress, right? It's just understanding we're humans, having a human experience. This is life. Like I have to remind people, hey, just because you've now, you know, done some treatment, it doesn't mean that your triggers are magically, you know, gone. You're still going to have vulnerabilities. You're still going to have some triggers, but you now have tools you can bring with you, Um this is awesome. I really appreciate this conversation. Um, well, anybody listening today, you know, if they want to find you, how can they find you? Sure. So you can find me on my website, Dr. Jessica B. Stern, B as in boy. Um, you can find me on my website. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Jessica B. Stern. You can also check out the podcast that I did with Wondermind. Wondermind is the mental fitness company co-founded by Selena Gomez and Mandy Teefy. And we have a new podcast called Baggage Drop, which is all about creating goals and setting habits and things of that nature. So you can find Baggage Drop wherever you listen to podcasts, like this wonderful podcast that you're listening to. Um, and yeah, you can find me on the web and um, hopefully we'll connect in some capacity on wh wherever you find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, the OCD-free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.